Welcome to the greatest movies about Gen X Tournament Challenge. Not even supposed to be here today. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. And you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain and an athlete and a basket case a princess and a criminal does that answer your question sincerely yours the breakfast club ours is a story that can only be told across multiple podcasts and decades ten where have you been for ten years I freaked out, I joined the army, I work for the government, I went into business with myself, I'm a professional killer. From 80s pop to grunge and writing to finally being an adult, we will debate the best movies about the best generation ever. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? I didn't exhale. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. The highs, the lows, and a whole lot of dead-end jobs will be explored. Say a prayer for the youth of America. I don't know. Drugs are out. Sex is out. Politics are out. Everything is on hold. I mean, we definitely need something new. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. So join us all. Gen X Mixtape, Gen X Grown Ups, Society Owes Me a Gen X Podcast, and Project Gen X because no one else is looking out for us. Night fucking khakis. Ew! Get off of me! Ugh, I'm And without further ado, the greatest movie about Gen X begins now! Or whatever. Joe, it's Rex Manning Day. What, no applause? You met me at a very strange time in my life. All right, well, let's get this thing going. Uh, welcome, everyone, into the, uh, what did we call this thing again? <laughs> the greatest movie about Gen X of all of time. Of all time, that's right. That's what it is, because I, I we threw around so many names on this. Uh, I would like to thank everyone for coming in. Uh, let me do a quick rundown of everyone that we have here. Um, uh, I am uh, Alan Smith from Project Gen X podcast, along with... Barry! And Barry is going to be representing us in this debate. Yeah, I drew the short straw. (laughs) From uh, the Grown Up Gen X podcast, we have... That's your cue, George. (laughs) Well, that would be my cue if that was my podcast. My podcast is Gen X Grown Up. Oh, what did I say? I am so, man... (laughs) I'm drinking coffee already. For the record, the coffee has not kicked No, it has not. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like I said, organized chaos. (laughs) We are Gen X Grown Up. Myself, John, and Mo. We have been doing our podcast for about four or five years at this point, something like that. We've got our YouTube channel and everything's hunky-dory, and we are happy to be here. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, also, from uh, I, um, we have um, who, who I affectionately call Other Alan, um, um, 
maybe we'll call you Mixtape Alan, since you are from the Gen X Mixtape podcast. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your show, Alan. All right. Um, well, I'm, I'm Alan Mostov, uh, one half of Alan and Dave, which we have gotten a kick out of. Uh, <laughs> you guys need to go get a berry. Obvious, uh, <laughs> you need a berry, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we're both music aficionados. We uh, create an imagined mixtape every, every episode where we choose a theme and then we uh, go through, we, we decide on, on musical selections to, to fit that theme and sequence. We, we, we really do run through the, the entirety of, of a mixtape creation, curating a mixtape like we did back in the day. Um, sometimes we, we try and create a, a mixtape that tells a story arc. Sometimes it is songs that are, are grouped by, um, key signature or by um, just common common theme itself, but but it always is, uh, it's a lot of fun. We debate our choices, we defend our choices. Um, and then we also share a lot of trivia, background information about the artists that recorded the songs and, and the like. So it's a, it, it's a throwback. It's a, it's a lot of fun to relive those days. Uh, Mixtapes were hugely important to Dave and I, so we have a lot of fun doing it. I think to all of us, <laughs> honestly. Yes, right. <laughs> all right. And finally, we have uh, our, our, uh, our British sister from, uh, from, across, from, the from pond. across the pond. Yes, there are going to be a lot of puns. Believe me, we're going to say a lot of stuff. And I will save my, uh, I will save my very um, not nice comments for Radiohead <laughs> that I have said before. <laughs> we would like to we would like to welcome Lily from Society Owes Me. Hi, Lily. Hi there. Hi. Yes, I'm I'm Lily, and uh, I do Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast with my pod partner Hannah, who's uh, sadly not here today. But um, we basically go A to X uh, through movie soundtracks, uh, grunge rock alt pop pretty much everything we are uh, currently doing the 90s which is our it's our little niche at the moment but yep that's that's what we're about yes go check out their podcast go check out all these podcasts there will be links yes and uh, everything because we want to uh, as as i have said to everyone here multiple times as well as multiple other people from our generation we have to stick together because nobody else is taking care of us so <laughs> all right guys and and ladies, uh, ladies, lady, gentlemen, all that. I am going to get this together. I can be a guy. Uh, there you go. Fine. Lily, there we go. Lily for today. I have a you're one of the guys. I, I, don't, I don't mind being you. a lady for the podcast if it helps out. <laughs> well, if you've listened to our podcast, don't even dare. If you've listened to our <laughs> podcast enough, we all know that I have I have performed in drag a few times. So, and it's not pretty. <laughs> it is not pretty. So, <laughs> nothing about you is pretty. <laughs> he ain't got the legs for it. And not anymore. So anyway. All right. Well, let's jump right into this. Uh, I'm going to do a quick rundown of, of, of the brackets, the movies that we started with and where we wound up. And then we will start from there. Um, all right. I'm going to start with uh, the, the we, we split these. Uh, we have 32 movies to start with. All movies about Gen X. That was kind of the criteria here was, you know, if we were just doing a Gen X movie, we could have put thousand movies on here you know movies that were that came out during our 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 lifetimes or our era whatever you want to call it uh but i tried to i tried to 
narrow it down to movies that were specifically about our generation. That's why some movies wound up on here and some didn't. Um, and from there, you know, uh, Barry was nice enough to uh, kind of assign. Oh, sure. Blame me. Oh, I am. Believe me, because it's one of those <laughs> things that I know John, like when he looked at the, when looked at your bracket, George, he, he was like, I can't, he's like, you son of a bitch. I cannot <laughs> believe that you're going to pit some of these movies against themselves. <laughs> yeah, we did have a, we Blame did me. have a little bit of fun trying yeah. to figure out which ones to boil it down to. There were some lively debates in our episode. Oh, I know. I know. Ours was the same way yeah. where it was like, I cannot believe this, you know, that, that basically I'm, I am going to have to kill some, I'm going to kill my darlings here, you know? Uh, so I'm going to start off with, um, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to start off with uh, with with uh, the with north. The I'm going to start with the north bracket here, which was the the Gen X Chrono. Did I get it right that time? Gen you X did Chrono that time. That's got it yeah. that time. For whatever reason, I always want to flip those around. So, um, okay. Uh, in their bracket, they had we had Fast Times at Ridgemont High going up against Before Sunrise. Hackers up against uh, Clueless. The River's Edge against Bill and Ted's uh, Excellent Adventure, not Bogus Journey. Uh, Repo Man versus Boys in the Hood. Um, down to Fast Times, Fast Times, Richard High against Clueless. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure against Boys in the Hood, which winds up with the two that we're going to be debating out of there today, which is Fast Times at Ridgemont High versus Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. All right, out of the Eastern bracket, because I've got these out this, which was actually ours here at yeah. Project Gen X. We had Empire Records versus Heathers. We had Scream versus SFW. Clerks versus Singles. High Fidelity versus Red Dawn. Um, so in the first one, we had Empire Records advanced and SFW advanced. And then in the, in the, in the bottom part of the bracket, Clerks and High Fidelity advanced, which left us with Empire Records going up against clerks i am not looking forward to that one either. yeah <laughs> none I, of these so and i don't hard. get to debate on that one so i have to sit here and watch it happen um out of the western bracket which was um the gen x mixtape guys uh we had reality bikes going up against slacker pcu versus 16 candles pump up the volume versus st elmo's fire and less than zero versus a nightmare on elm street uh, reality adv reality bites advanced. So did sixteen candles, Saint Elmo's fire, and a nightmare on Elm Street, which left us with reality bites and a nightmare on Elm Street uh, coming out of their bracket. And finally, in the southern bracket, we had Society owes me a Gen X podcast with Fight Club versus Party Girl, Wayne's World versus Gross Point Blank, Say Anything versus Train Spotting, and SLC Punk versus The Breakfast Club. To which we had Fight Club and Wayne's World advancing out of the top bracket and say anything and slc punk advancing out of the bottom bracket leaving us with wayne's world and say anything yeah are we the only ones that didn't bother to look at a map considering we gave, <laughs> we gave the ladies from england I, you the know southern region I, how does I know. that work well you know and also also one of the things that i thought about after because we did a complete blind draw on who got what regions and i was like it might be a little bit on the nose, the fact that the ladies from across the pond got train spotting. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was like, no, we didn't do that on purpose. That, that was <laughs> a that that was just a sheer accident. Um, so, yeah, we're going to start. I guess we're just going to start. 
start with the we're going to start with the north. Uh, fast times at Ridgemont High versus Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So, George, you're in timeout during this. While <laughs> okay, that's a good <laughs> thing because I can argue against anybody. But I myself. know, I know. <laughs> uh, Lily, we're going to start with you, um, and, and we'll I'll, we'll kind of like take this kind of as a round robin where we won't start with the same person every time. Uh, what um, what are your thoughts on uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High versus Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Well, I mean, I think this is probably easy when you, if I want to be sexist about my sex, go right ahead. I would Please. probably <laughs> say that um, nothing to do with Amy Heckling being director, actually, but I think it's because it was written by Cameron Crowe mm-hmm. and he's just got such a big squishy heart and it, it's sometimes to the detriment of his movies. He gets a little too emotional, um, but there's always such a, a beating heart in his movies. Uh, the soundtrack, of course, coming from him, writing from Rolling, Rolling Stone and pretty much every other kind of 70s um, music mag there was. He had some excellent taste. Apparently they they butted heads a lot when it came to that because Amy wanted the new new wave stuff and, uh, and he was fighting for the Eagles and whatnot. But um, for me, yeah, Bill and Ted is, is what we cool uh kind of a, a lad movie it's a guy thing i mean i watched it with my dad and brother who killed themselves laughing uh mm-hmm. falling all over each other. <laughs> i liked it but i did not have the response let's just say that they did it was this visceral male thing so it was you know it's daft it's silly it's funny it has keanu you know there's no complaints here but for me it's fast times all right uh alan m we're gonna do, we're gonna go with Alan M. How about that? <laughs> great great Josie and the Pussycats character there, you know, <laughs> going back old school there. Wow. <laughs> Yay, there you go. Hey, us Allens, we didn't get a whole lot of representation. So when you got one, you remembered it. Because nobody <laughs> could figure out which way you wanted to spell your damn name. Well, we spell it the correct way, both of us <laughs> do. do. So <laughs> all, right. all right, Alan, go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh well, I'm 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 very much in agreement. Uh with with what was just said, I, I um, Fast Times at Richmond High to me was a a slice of life, I, and it was actually a lot a lot of teen comedies in the eighties were entirely unrealistic. Um, I, I I knew nobody that was ever stuffed in a locker. I knew nobody who uh, ever endured a lot of what we see in the teen movies of the eighties, um, especially the teen comedies. But Fast Times, to me, it always felt very real. Uh, I had Mr. Hand, I, and that was just a, a teacher that um, you could look into any classroom walking down the hallway, and that that was what was represented in the school. Um, and the characters, they were Cameron Crowe. He he did a phenomenal job. He wrote a script that I feel was very accurate. Um, if we're looking at a movie that is just truly Gen X, I, I don't know that you can do much better than Fast Times, honestly. Um, I, I, I knew many of Spicoli's uh, in my time as well. <laughs> so, um, yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, on the flip side, Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted was an event movie. I remember going and we, we, we enjoyed it. It was a, it was a milestone, if you will, but I, I never liked it as much as most of my peers. Um, I love George Carlin, uh, my best part of the film without question. Keanu, I have a love hate relationship with. Honestly, I, I think he is one of the hands down, one of the greatest actors in Hollywood um, in terms of personality. And he's a philanthropist. He's 
a truly remarkable human being, but he plays the same role in every film. And when he doesn't, he, he, I I don't know. I, I, he kind of is a detriment to the film. I think Um, I I remember Dracula watching Dracula. Oh Yeah. I kept waiting for Jonathan Harker to just, you know, out of nowhere, say cool fangs drap dude. You know, it it just really. uh, So Alan, I, I have a question for you, sir. Yes. Does that role mean that he's always playing an FBI agent? <laughs> Often. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, couldn't resist. I, um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, it, it's true. I, John Wick and, and uh, oh, I think of The Matrix. It's really just Ted, you know? Uh, yeah. Yes. It, yeah. It, you know, it's yeah. the same facial Whoa. expressions from start to finish. Um Whoa! Here, <laughs> Bill and Ted just doesn't feel to me. If you if you're looking for a film that represents Gen X, um, I I don't know that that is the way to go. I, to me, it's, it's just a no brainer. I think Fast Times is the clear winner. Okay. So, All right. Well, hey, we've got two votes for Fast Times. Barry, doesn't matter what the hell I say. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead if you have if you have if you if if you want to uh, defend. I'll, I'll, uh, you I'll, know. I'll say this much. You know. <laughs> When it concerns these two, and I think Alan actually said, the other Alan said it best, when he said one is more of an event movie and one is more of a slice of life. You know, if you think about it, Bill and Ted is kind of like going to the carnival, whereas Fast Times is kind of like going to high school. You know, it is something that is a better representation of the highs, lows, what it meant to be of someone of that era. So I, I definitely agree that that Fast Times and, you know, I'm a sucker for a great soundtrack and that's not to knock on the soundtrack for Bill and Ted. It was good, but it's nothing compared to that one. I, okay. So I guess we're going to, um, you're correct about soundtrack. Mm-hmm. George, go right ahead. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah. Defend yourself. <laughs> defend myself. I put both Actually, of them in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> um, and, so and we, I got, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. We, we had a lively debate and the, the strongest, toughest debate that we had was actually putting Bill and Ted forward over Boys in the Hood. Those were the last yes. two. I was surprised that honestly. round, yeah. and it went. It was really tough. I think it was really more of John's love of Bill and Ted that gave it the slight nod over Boys in the Hood. Because personally, I think Fast Times and Boys in the Hood were more slice of life, as somebody mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, than Bill and Ted, although Bill and Ted, it it's kind of one of those movies that represents the feel of the 80s yes. more than the slice of life. So while Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like you said, um, you had Mr. Hand as one of your teachers and you knew a Spicoli um, and the music soundtrack, we all admit, hands down, Fast Times at Ridgemont High over Bill and Ted, but Bill and Ted when you think about that movie, you might start thinking about things like Dago day glow pants, or you might start thinking about, you know, synth track eighties music. You, you know, it just kind of has a feel of the eighties less than a slice of life of the eighties. So I think it's a viable candidate to be at this point of the bracket, but I agree that 
fast times at Ridgemont High to me is the clear winner. Now I'm going to get kicked off of my podcast for saying that because <laughs> when I was sent to this podcast, I was given explicit orders to go with Bill and Ted, and I was going to argue against it anyway. So George, George is going rogue on us here. Yeah, I, John knows you can, you can come argue, I'm going to go yeah. with my heart. So yeah, fast times at Ridgemont High. Before we want to, I, I kind of wanted to just to say this. Um, you're, you know, with, with fast times being again, the slice of life, Bill and Ted being very fantastical. It's also representing two different ends of Gen X. Sure. Because Fast Times came out of what, 82, 83, somewhere around mm -hmm. in there. So that was, you know, like the older Gen X. And then Bill and Ted came out when I was, you know, I graduated high school in 92. It came out while I was in high school. So it was that back end Gen X, you know, kind of action middle back end type. So I can, I can see that, but yeah, but all right, we're good with Fast Times advancing. All right. All right. Thank you, George. Since, um, since you had to sit that one out, you get to go first this time. And I'm on All the right. <laughs> uh, We are going to go to the Eastern bracket here, which is Empire Records versus Clerks. Oh, Jesus, uh, I don't want to do go this. Go right ahead. <laughs> Have fun, kids. I'm not saying oh, there's a wrong God. answer. I'm not saying there's a wrong answer, but there's a wrong answer. So, <laughs> so for the listeners out there, we've got a bracket, and you guys ranked each one of these movies um, just like you would in a basketball tournament. You know, you got the number yes, one yeah. versus the number eight. This is the five versus the four. And just like in any type of sports event, when you have those middle picks in a bracket, it's going to be the toughest game of the entire tournament. And I think yes. that's what is going to happen here. Um, Clerks is a movie that I discovered about two years after it came out through friends of mine that John and I belonged to in a Star Trek club. And one of them had seen the movie. He had the VHS tape and we all sat and watched it together one night on his recommendation. And I fell in love with the movie and Kevin Smith from that moment forward. Empire Records is one that I discovered on my own on its VHS tape journey. And I fell in love with that movie immediately from watching it. So both of these films are incredible films to me. Clerks I fell in love with because I grew up in that environment. My family owned a small grocery store. And I worked there from the time I was 10 years old till the time I was 21 every single day saying I wasn't even supposed to be there that day. <laughs> um, Empire Records, every single musical moment in that film has a personal memory outside of the film for me. It's everything from Video Killed the Radio Star all the way through that. It's just a beautiful homage to music i want to hear the guar story that, that i definitely <laughs> want to hear i've got some friends in that realm that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> um, uh honestly so for pick? me i don't know i don't know how to pick between these two you guys leveled the playing field here five versus four is accurate you're going to have to shoot old yeller. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like God. I said, I'm not saying there's a wrong answer, but there's a wrong answer. <laughs> I, well, I'm probably going to choose the wrong answer. I'm going with clerks on this one. I can't get away from the writing that was in this. I think it was the very first example I saw of the snappy, quick-witted dialogue mm -hmm. writing style that I had ever seen and really fell in love with. Um, I think there was... Plenty of heart in both movies, so I can't go on heart. Um, music, I would give to Empire Records. Yes. But overall longevity and influence, I think I kind of got to go with Clerks because Kevin Smith and that style of writing has influenced 
everything that we see in movie and TV shows today. If you can show me a quick-witted, stampy written dialogue TV show or movie that doesn't pay homage to Clerks, I think that they're lying. So I'm going to go with Clerks. Awesome. Um, Lily, what are, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, well, um, if I'm speaking for the pod, yes. which I'm supposed to do, um, <laughs> Anna and I uh, both love Empire Records. Um, mm-hmm. I totally get um, that I'm probably wrong about this because, um, you know, Clark, as you say in England, <laughs> is – so original uh, it's coming from kind of almost nowhere um it's embodying the gen x spirit of diy and sticking mm-hmm. it to the man and doing it how you want to do it whereas probably empire records is is a bit of a it's a studio grab for who can we get who can we get in it uh what music can we just basically i think i think someone said like this movie empire records coasts along the coattails of its soundtrack which is perfectly true but everyone loves it because of that and there's some there's some top draw acting I think as well um if we're being honest Clark's can be a little patchy there sometimes the main character is amazing but some of the people coming in and out I don't know it's a little spotty um but I love I love it too but I had the uh Empire Records VHS tape that was an X um video store tape that I bought in Virgin. Mm-hmm. I watched nice. it all the time. Mm-hmm. My brother and I were obsessed with the soundtrack. Uh, it got me through university pretty much because it was just one of those no-brainers. You stick it on. It's always fun. I've probably taken a million uh, little sound bites uh, and thrown it into my dialogue. Thanks for that movie. So mm-hmm. unpopular choice, but I think Hannah would agree. We would have to say Empire Records. That is a very solid choice. There's, it's, again, so she's and, and every day. Let's be honest. Every day is, is Rex, Rex Manning Day. day so. <laughs> we do celebrate. Yes, we are observant. All right, Alan. Basically, it's, it's it's down to you, my friend. Tiebreaker. <laughs> um, well, I I don't have a lot to add that hasn't already been said. I Empire Records um, the soundtrack. It's all it's all about yes. the soundtrack, um, which given what we do on our podcast and that, that plays a, a huge, huge part. And I, 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 I do have a special place in my heart for the film. Um, I remember it at the time as being a vehicle for Liv Tyler. I mean, she was, mm-hmm. the, she was the it girl. And uh, it, it just felt to me like the movie was kind of created to get her on screen even in, in some ways, but I, um, I, I do, I love the film, but for me, I, I have to go Clerks. Uh, Clerks to me is, it was so original. It was so different. And the banter, I, as, as George said, with the, with the quick uh, dialogue uh, between characters. And I, I actually just last weekend, I was in Cleveland for Fan Expo, Cleveland Comic Con. And I actually, I had the opportunity to meet Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. And we talked about some of, some of their uh, work together. Clerks has... It has left its 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 print on on everything that has come since. I mean, I, I don't know that there is a young up and coming filmmaker that does not study Kevin Smith and actually build upon what he has uh, started with his films. Um, and certainly, uh, the the cast of characters that that he has created, the interweaving of all of those characters, uh, yes, story yes. to story. 
he, he's basically built a franchise and he's done it from the ground up. Um, so just just in terms of craftsmanship, I mean, that, that's the, the Gen X spirit. I mean, he went right. went on his own, out of the way, uh, did everything his way, entertained himself doing it. Um, I, I don't know. I just I have such a special place in my heart for Clerks that that movie changed okay. the way I looked at film. So I I, I, I have to give give the nod to it. I am so glad that you guys had to debate this and not me. Yes. <laughs> I am so glad I got a pass on this. We one. had such a hard time because, you know, for us coming out of this, we had clerks against high fidelity. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, how do I choose? Uh, <laughs> that do want, I would not have wanted to do. No. Oh, do you have do you want the Ferrari? Do you want the Porsche? Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, you so. know. And, and and my two cents on this, you know, again, kind of everything that's been said, I one hundred percent agree with. Um, I will say, you know, kind of to, to Lily's point, you know, there's a lot of elements that were touched on in Empire Records that you didn't really see with Clerks. Clerks was very narrow viewed. You had these characters and their lives and that's all they dealt with. So if you didn't really necessarily tie in or relate to one of those characters, it was a little bit harder to watch. Whereas something like with Empire Records, you have the stoner, you have the metalhead, you have the the outlier, you have the pretty girl, you have all those other types of elements on it. So it did open up the door a lot more for people to relate to them and to tie to them. So as I said, I'm so glad I didn't have to debate this one because this <laughs> this this is shooting old yeller for me. Yeah. But I, I think when it boiled down to it, as much as I absolutely adore the movie Empire Records, I would have had to go with Clerks just for the simple fact of the impact that it's had. And it almost reinterpreted and recreated, if you will, Gen X culture. So... And none of us are supposed to be here today. No, no this is no. <laughs> it's a Saturday morning. What are we doing? Exactly. Here? Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to, let's see what well, we got. The Western Western, Western bracket, which is uh, Gen Sorry, there, wrong Western. Yeah, there you uh, Gen X mixtape. So Alan, you're sitting this one out. Uh, Barry. <laughs> yes. We're going to start with you this time. Oh my gosh. Okay. Reality bites versus a nightmare in Elm street. Okay. So for the record, I was really hesitant to put A Nightmare on Elm Street on here in the first place. This was out of pressure from Alan and Dave to kind of go with this. In retrospect, I can admit when I'm wrong. This this definitely had a lot of, of good representation for the era, for what it was, and it definitely defines a, a pivotal, pivotal moment in Gen X culture. All that being said, my vote's for Reality Bites. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, George, what do you think? Okay, uh, so I'm, I'm at a slight of disadvantage. I've seen Reality Bites one time. Okay. Uh, most of the time when I find a movie that I enjoy, which I did enjoy Reality Bites. I don't want to give off a false impression. Uh, I will watch a movie 20, maybe 25 times. Um, because I really like to dig into films as anybody who's listened to our podcast will tell you, I'm kind of the movie buff guy on our group. Uh, Mo writes great movie reviews and he's better at that than I am, but I really dig into the movies. I learn everything I can about them whenever um, I find a movie that grabs me. And unfortunately reality bites as good as it was, didn't grab me in that way. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street, however, 
because I'm a horror fan, <laughs> absolutely grabbed me. Dave and is Dave, his arms Dave is like right doing now. victory laps over here. I'm telling you, you guys need to change numbers and, and like, you know, talk on the weekends or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I sense know collusion. there there's there are three 80s horror films or not 80s, but three Gen X horror film franchises that everybody recognizes. Friday the 13th, there's Halloween and there's the Nightmare series, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nightmare in my opinion, went more 80s than the other two. The other two tried to grab at their magic that they built in their first film to varying degrees of success. Nightmare on Elm Street, every single one of those films is absolutely Generation X. It's absolutely 1980s. Mm -hmm. um, when you take characters and the evil guy throws them to through TV screens while they're playing MTV. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> there's nothing Dick, more Asian than no that, right? <laughs> um, it's it just crazy, crazy stuff. So I, I don't think you can get away from Freddy Krueger being one of the better horror icons ever created. Um, and that first film was terrorizing. It was yes, really yes. Mm -hmm. disturbing. The blood bed scene alone yeah. gives people nightmares to this day. My kid, I introduced him to this film, uh, my youngest, when he was like 10 years old. Um, that's, good. that's good parenting. <laughs> hey, I, yeah, I, I think we were all really young when we watched it. So. He, he didn't go to sleep for about two days, I think, after watching that film. So while I, I, I will be happy to admit that Reality Bites is probably the the clear winner here. I'm going to go with Nightmare on Elm Street. And also, there's the added, you know, bad stuff happens to Johnny Depp in bed, apparently. So wow. <laughs> You've been waiting for that joke. Yeah. You have I been have, waiting I've for had that, that one in the bear. I have had that one in the chamber for a Oh, my gosh. Lily. <laughs> Lily, you get Lily, to Lily, help us vote. out here. I was going to say a similar thing about the bed because <laughs> I, I rewatched this last night just to freshen up and. I, too, am a massive horror movie fan, and uh, definitely for me, um, I saw Halloween and um, Friday the 13th and everything when I was a kid, as we all did, um, but I really took to Scream. I loved the kind of whole sending up of his own movie. Um, there's so many elements. Watching uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, again, you just see how much he took from his own movie, but he never even took, like... There was something about Freddy that he didn't even take himself that seriously, even though he's the child murderer and he's terrifying and all kids, little kids at school. The we child murderer with a heart of gold. <laughs> well, no, no heart here, but um, <laughs> but he, he, he was laughing and he was making jokes and he was sort of maniacally, you know, gleeful. Whereas when you think of like Friday the 13th and, and Halloween, there was this blankness to the killer. He had no personality at all. So Freddie had that as a dimension, but we never watched the movie as, as kids, but everybody had older brothers and sisters. We knew about it. We were terrified. We knew there's this guy and he's got these knives for fingers. And my kids now um, kind of secretively try and watch, uh, watch or play this game called Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, it's still happening. You know, everyone's still obsessed with this movie. And uh, and it's, it is an absolute cracker. And it, it did switch up the genre and he did an amazing job. Um, I love it. I think it's really um, used as a kind of a springboard for, for, for bringing it all back. And, and I love that too. Having said that, Reality Bites is, is uh, for Hannah and I, it's, it's our jam. 
Mm-hmm. We watched it so much. We can we can we can do the script. The soundtrack is just our life. Um, we potted about it already. We're we're nuts about this movie. We also love uh, Ethan Hawke. We love Winona Ryder. We love Ginny Garofalo and our particular love for Steve Zahn. He's amazing and incredible. And they all just turn in the most amazing performance. Um, and being Gen X icons themselves, I have to say, reality bites. Uh, you just lost Dave as a friend. Yeah. Just letting you know that. Dave, Dave's weeping in the corner right now. So I tried uh, to show the love. I did I know, try it's, and show it's the love. No, no, no. Yeah. You know, and, and, I'm feeling it. And on a personal note, before we kick it over here to uh, to Alan to get his points, Lily, be honest with me. Is there anything better than hearing Ethan Hawke singing the Violent Femmes? I mean, come on. <laughs> yes, there is. It's it's him doing the I'm Nothing song. No. Like the original no. song. Come on. He's got a crack. He's got a, was it a cokehead mom and a pothead dad? Okay, on, that one's good. I'll go. give you that. I'll give you that. All right, Alan. All right, Alan. You Throw your, your two final thoughts on this one. Okay, well, uh, Frankly, Dave and I were really surprised that Nightmare on Elm Street made it to the Elite Eight. Uh, we, Me too. We were really, uh, I, I don't know, I think we were leaning toward the Brat Pack and, and setting St. Elmo's Fire on, but neither of us were particular fans of St. Elmo's Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we said, uh, Dave and I were both English teachers, uh, so you, we read too much into everything anyway. But when we started talking about Nightmare, we started looking at so many different themes that that are underlying uh, in 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 the story of Freddy Krueger that I think are if you're if you're just looking for jump scares they're they're lost on a lot of audience uh, participants but it, just the commentary on suburbia and mm-hmm. the idea of and you know the sins of the father uh, yes. you know coming being cast upon on this the kids real quick that's that's why i put this movie on this list was the sins of the father the whole like let's be honest the gen x how much shit have we had to endure because of what the generation in front of us did you know and that was kind of the whole thing with this so yeah go right go right ahead so. oh yeah and just and, you know just failed failure to to realize your dreams how dreams kind of uh you know, we, we were we were forecasted to be the first generation to do worse than our, our parents and mm-hmm. you know dreams just kind of they 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 came back to haunt our generation, I think, in many ways. And suburb, you know, the suburbs being what they were, just the conformity of it, and trying to escape the suburb. Dave and I were having a lot of fun. We were just reading probably way too much into the movie. <laughs> um, plus, it introduced the world to to Johnny Depp. It introduced the world to um, to Freddy Krueger, and, yes. and you know, Wes Craven. You know, his directorial work there is just phenomenal. Reality Bites, um, it, it was, I'll tell you what, Reality Bites, it, it ended up going up against 16 Candles, and that one hurt. I mean, it Oof. really hurt putting the two of them, uh, pitting them against each other. Reality Bites, I think, is probably one of the most accurate portrayals of Gen X um, ever filmed, honestly. Uh, it's, yes. It's, yeah. You know, it's the real world and, and you know, just the the uncaring nature of it all. Um and it was an all-star cast, which has already been said. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the one debating this one. And it sounds like Reality Bites just won, so I'm, which I, I totally understand. In fact, I even told Dave at the time that Nightmare on Elm Street would die in this round. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I, um, I don't. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just glad I don't have to make the decision because I'm, <laughs> I'm a horror junkie. I mean, I. I 
live, breathe, and die horror uh, as mm-hmm. a genre. So, um, but yeah, there's no no question that that Ethan Hawke and and Winona Ryder, their characters in Reality Bites, and just the just the the real world crashing down on you, you know, of leaving college and, and realizing as a Gen Xer that you know life pretty much sucks. I mean, it, it doesn't get more accurate than than that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the one choosing. all right so we're going to move on to our final bracket here which is the southern bracket uh wayne's world versus say anything this was society owes me a gen x podcast bracket so lily you get to sit this one out uh who did we know who we not started off with yet was alan have you started yet we're gonna we're gonna kick it to you yeah i don't i don't think i have yeah Mm. Uh, um wow um you know, this is one that I don't know that, that there is a clear winner for me, honestly. Uh, say anything. It, it's the the fairy tale story, and there's I don't I don't know if that the there is anything more iconic than um, John Cusack holding a boombox above his head. You know, <laughs> um, you know, nothing says I love you like uh, in your eyes, playing from below your window. I uh, I don't know. I love say anything. It's probably not my favorite romantic. Uh, comedy of the 80s but it, it's so iconic and then wayne's world oh good god um wayne's world i think is a lot like bill and ted's I and mean, very similar structure i don't it was another event movie and then very much uh very much playing off of the success of saturday night live which was in a renaissance period at that point um mm-hmm. but uh I, the two of them together mike myers and dana carvey I and mean, it was just pure comedic gold and I think that if you're going with soundtrack, which I I haven't talked a whole lot about in the contest that we've had because I've, I wasn't the first to go, I don't know that there's a soundtrack more important to John Hex than Wayne's World. I mean, what it did bringing Queen back to, or introducing Queen to a new generation, uh, just in and of itself, I I um. I don't know. I don't know which way I would go. I, I might need some help from from everybody else to to make a decision on this one. Oh, you have to choose. I have to choose. <laughs> you bastard. All right. Um, the so, red pill or the blue pill? Come on now. Uh, uh, all right. If I'm gonna jump down the rabbit hole, let's see. I I'm, I gotta go Wayne's World. I guess Wayne's World. Yeah, I I gotta go Wayne's World just because it's. I think it touched on, I mean, it certainly is not a realistic portrayal of anything, um, <laughs> really, other than the, the um, well, I, the actual television show itself. I mean, it, again, it's very Gen X, you know, um, the two of them sitting in their basement, entertaining themselves and, and mm-hmm. recording their, their show. I, I, that to me is, it screams, it's Max of Gen X. Um, and certainly just the, the slacker view and, and riding around just having fun, um, not knowing where life was taking you. I, there's a lot of Gen X there. But I think that I remember, I, if we're just talking about the heart of the film, I remember seeing it in the theater. And I, I must have seen that movie maybe five, six times in the theater. I and mean, we could not get enough of Wayne's World. Um so just just on on nostalgia alone, yeah, okay. Uh, Wayne's World's going to get my vote, I think. Very. 
Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, George is coming down to you. It looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, George. So here's where I I, I struggled with this one because I went back and forth. I, I talked to my fiance, you know, the, the infamous Amy, just to try to get some some input from her on this. There is such a huge wave of love for the movie Say Anything. I mean, John Cusack, probably one of his best roles. And is there anyone on this planet that has not felt the line of, I gave her my heart, she gave me a pen? I mean, come on. It's There's so many elements that it touched on that was just heartwarming and real. Somebody put it to me like this, though, when you're looking at the two of these. Yes, that's the coffee maker going off. Uh, <laughs> Priorities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say anything was the friends that you had. Wayne's World was the friends that you wanted. <laughs> so that being said, I, I, I kind of have to go with Alan on this one and go with, with Wayne's World just because of the fact that I don't, there's not been a person that I have met of our era that has not had some interaction with Wayne's World on it. And, you know, it, it's, it's so ubiquitous either through, you know, the movie or through the SNL characters or the countless, countless times that it's been talked about in other things. And while saying anything is iconic, there are still a lot of people that, that have no idea what that movie is. They would have no concept of what that movie is. They may know the, the song. They may know the infamous holding the boombox up thing. Um, but that's about the only moments of that movie that most people are going to remember. Wayne's World, on the other hand, you have, I mean, for the, the rebirth of Queen alone, for the rebirth of Bohemian Rhapsody alone, I got to go with, with Wayne's World. George? Yeah, so um, so it sounds like the decision's already been made. I think there's already been two votes for Wayne's World. Hey, I'm not sure how change. it comes down to me. Well, well apparently, apparently not. You can so, change your mind. Yeah, that's you true. You, you, could, you could, yeah, you could absolutely, uh, you know. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, as you guys know, I was in debate in high school and college, so um, I tend to take these argument things fairly seriously. Um, <laughs> you think? <laughs> I, I like to. I definitely like to argue, um, as anybody who knows me will tell you. Um, I'm definitely going to side on say anything this way, even though I love Wayne's World just a little bit more than I do say anything. There's no question in my mind that Say Anything is the better slice of life representation of Gen X than Wayne's World is. Now, you guys have gone off about the whole let's bring Queen back to the next generation and what it did for Bohemian Rhapsody. And I'm not going to argue about that. But the soundtrack of Say Anything is by far better. It's just not even close. There's one iconic song out of Wayne's World. And then Tia Carrera does some really great versions of some other songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Say anything, you're talking about Nancy Wilson, Living Color, Cheap Trick, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Peter Gabriel, Depeche Mode, The Replacements. I mean, you you show me a better movie lineup than that, and I'll show you Empire Records. Hey, you you had still, me at Replacements. <laughs> yeah, <so it's, laughs> um, it, it's, it's a huge soundtrack. Then you want to talk about the actors. Wayne's World had some great spots along with two main actors, right? So you had Dana Carvey and you had his counterpart, Wayne. But other than that, you just have little guest spots. You have Tia Carrera doing her thing. Um, you have Brat Pack doing his thing. But 
say anything. You got John Cusack. You got Ioni Sky. You got John Mahoney. I mean, Baby Newworth from Cheers. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Eric Stoltz is in this movie. I mean, oh, it's right. it's incredible the casting that they Piven. put on this. Jeremy Piven as yeah. Mark. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous. Going back to my friend across the sea, this is another Cameron Crowe product, and it's not just written mm-hmm. by Cameron Crowe. It was also directed by Cameron Crowe. So my mind, that even gives it a bigger view into the Generation X setting. Then there's the one thing that I can't get away with or can't get away from with Wayne's World, and that's Wayne's World's not a movie. Wayne's World is a collection of skits strung together with a through line, and it's loosely a movie in that it lasted longer than an hour. That's it. It's not really a film. Say Anything is a film. So if you're going to debate on which was the best Gen X film, you've got one Gen X film, and then you've got another one that's a collection of skits tied together with some music and single through line that barely holds it together. Okay, hold on, uh, hold on. All right, before 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 we ask if there's any if there's any you know any changes here, Lily, would you like to weigh in on this? Because I know you and Hannah had a very lively debate about this one on your podcast. So. Yes, we did. Um, we nearly, I think she was going to throw something at me at some point. She was yes. not having it. <laughs> Wayne's World was going through. Forget it. You know, <laughs> not having a podcast anymore. Wayne's World was going through. It was a, it was a to, to the death type situation, and I had to concede. Although I think it was gross point blank. It was up against, and I was. Ooh, it was. Ooh, I was yes. riding pretty high for that. I still think it's a better movie, but hey, I agreed, and and by agreeing, I managed to get say anything instead. So maybe say anything wasn't my first choice, but I agree with everything George has said. It's it's an actual movie. Um, the soundtrack is way better, and uh, you know, and the and the actors too. Um, but you know, <laughs> I can't explain to you. Hannah is so completely obsessed with this movie, yes, and yes. <laughs> and I feel like she is really speaking for a lot of people, though. Mm. Um, many, many people are crazy about this film. It just captured a, a moment in time of their young lives and, and, you know, laughing. I mean, if, can we, can we even imagine how many times any of us have heard not or, you know, uh, way or any Monkeys of the other. Monkeys might come yeah. out of our butt. Yeah, right. exactly. Swing, know. You know. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. You know? Actually, it, that was Bill and Ted, wasn't it? <laughs> but it was definitely in that vein as well. Yes, and it, it just yeah. it spawned this kind of subculture all of its own. So I I get that. I it wasn't my subculture, but I get it. So, you know, it is it is what it is, and I and it's in your hands. I'm Hold so on. glad. I think Dave wants to say something. So at this point, all I'm gonna say is George has the correct answer. Which one of you two are gonna correct correct? <laughs> wow. Okay, so so since I was since I'm the bad hold guy on, here. hold on, Alan. What are your thoughts here? <laughs> well, in fairness, I began by saying I didn't have a clear winner between the two, and now I love film. I have studied film, so George went a long way in really kind of steering me back to probably where I need to be. Um, Don't do it, Alan. 
Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I, Whatever. You're getting ready to flip. So don't even. I, I 100% agree with uh, very nearly everything. Well, I agree with everything George said. I um, Wayne's World is a collection of skits. It is not a, a it, it certainly is not a cinematic achievement. And, and I would agree. It probably isn't even much of a movie. Um, I just, you know, say anything. It, it is the acting is incredible. The script, the screenplay is is amazing. The, the direction was fantastic. I love John Cusack. I mean, hands down one of my absolute favorite actors of our generation. Um, but say anything. I while I I loved the film, and I, I did. I, I can appreciate the the romance uh, as it builds, and then as it just crumbles for for the two characters in the film. I, it didn't move me in, in ways that other romantic films, other romantic comedies did of the era. I mean, I think of like a pretty in pink, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that one, I would probably fight tooth and nail for, for pretty in pink, say anything. It didn't move me in that same kind. And I don't know why I don't, I, I, I don't know what was missing in it for me that I did not make that, that immediate connection to say anything that um, a lot of other viewers okay. did. So um, you're, so you're going to stay with Wayne's World? I'm staying with Wayne's World. Okay. Yeah. Smart man. Smart man. And Very. I'll tell you why. Here's my big argument on this whole thing. First off, it does break my heart, the fact that there's not a John Cusack movie in the final four. Yeah, how the hell however, that? however, <laughs> I would like to point out one thing. Would you rather have a Mike Myers movie going up against Reality Bites or a John Cusack movie going up against Reality Bites? Okay, so th- we're gonna we're gonna make these debates all about <laughs> movies that they're not up against or movies that they might go up against in the next round because well, Alan's debate was it wasn't the best of the romantic comedies that he saw in that generation. This is not up against any of those other romantic right. comedies no, no, up against Wayne's exists. World. And, and, and your I've, argument is you want Wayne's World to go up against reality. <laughs> no, no, no. This was not an argument. This is more of just an absolute fact on it. I was like, which one of these actually stands a better chance? Okay, but I'm, making, still, I'm making a ruling here. Oh, Lord. This is only a debate between the two movies. It can have nothing to do with the movie. But yeah, they're after. Fine then. So shut your mouth right. <laughs> and make this right. Hey. <laughs> oh, we got dunking. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I okay, will say so this. We're much. Back I, yes, yeah. I stand by my original statement on this as far as that movie goes because, you know, like I said, these are the friends you wanted. These were the guys that you wanted to go hang out with. These were the guys you wanted to know. These were the guys that you, you know, I, I, I struggled to find anybody that is of our era who didn't either know somebody like this or wanted to hang out with somebody like this. So I stand by my original statement, even, you know, was it the best film? No, but that's not necessarily what we're debating here. Remember, it's not the best movie. It's the best movie about Gen X. And I think that these guys represent an element of Gen X that, you know, everybody wanted to have that friend. Everybody wanted to have that goofball guy who, you know, had these wild ideas to just do his own thing. And so, yeah, as as we're looking at Alan, who's, you know, kind of started this whole thing, I give you folks exhibit A. All right. All um, right. <laughs> but yeah, I stand by my original one. This and George, you do make some great points on it. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from that. You know, is it a better film? Yes, it's a better film. Is it a better representation of Gen X? I don't think so. 
So you're sticking with Wayne's World. I'm sticking with Wayne's George, World. George, I thought you were flipping it there. I really did, buddy. I, you <laughs> know, I gave it. I gave it my best. You, you, you gave it. Yeah, that that was really good argument. Yes. Um, Solid. Really sorry. <laughs> yeah, Hannah's very pleased. I, as you're saying, I know Hannah is ecstatic right now. So uh, yeah. All right. Well, we are down to our final four now. Um, and uh, so that means we have Fast Times at Ridgemont High going up against Clerks. Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, and we have Reality Bites going up against Wayne's World. Good luck with that. We're going to start with Fast Times at Ridgemont High versus Clerks. Um, <laughs> who wants to start this? Uh, who wants to start? Any volunteers? <laughs> no. I, I, I'll go ahead and jump in. All right. Here um, we go. We'll start with George. So even though. I love both of these films and I have a clear winner in my heart. Okay. I'm going to take the position that I've got a, I've got to fight for the champion that my podcast put through. Okay. So I'm going to argue on behalf of fast times at Richmond high. Um, Cameron Crowe and Amy Heckerling, whether they argued or fought on set is immaterial to me. They combined together to put forth one of the greatest slice of life films of all time. Um, I think the actors that were in the film and that came out of the film with the careers that they ended up having goes to prove the point that it had the more solid cast than clerks. I mean, even if you just look at who was successful in the eighties coming out of those films, I mean, take a guy like judge Reinhold, judge Reinhold did not make it past 95. I don't believe, <laughs> but he was in a whole bunch of stuff from the time of Fast Times at Ridgemont High through to 95 Beverly Hills uh, cop era. Um, you've got Sean Penn. You've got uh, Eric Stoltz, who was in the background, even uh, Mr. Edwards. Hand. Yeah, just crazy. Phoebe Cates alone. This Nicholas really Cage. made her. Nicholas Nicholas, Coppola. Nicholas Coppola, excuse me. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Coppola. I mean, all these people that came out of this film, um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, I loved her storyline and her character throughout the entire film. She started off as the innocent, ended up becoming the jaded, you know, freshman moving into her next year um, because of all the traumatic events that happened to her. Um, Rat. I mean, that poor kid, <laughs> he, he couldn't win for losing. Even in the credit scene, he doesn't get any play in the end credit scene. Um, <laughs> it's it's just a, as much as I love Clerks and as much as I love Kevin Smith and as much of an influence as that is on films and TV shows, Forward, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is the best representation of Gen X. Clerks is the best representation of what it's like to work in a convenience store. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is the best representation of what it was to grow up in the 70s or early 80s. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Alan. You know, <laughs> I've got so so little to add. I, he just every point that I was about to make, he just he stole from me. Um, <laughs> um, I, fast times. I, what what we have not said is it, it it of course is you know it it possesses probably the most paused uh, moment in cinematic history. On yeah, yeah, there is that also. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm sure so, not for a society owes me no, podcast, no, but for the rest of us, yes. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but, um, I, I dare you to find a Gen Xer, you know, a, a junior high, high school, or even a, someone in their in their college years who did not pause the VCR for, you know, 
it, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Right? Yeah. However um, long it took, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I, you know, it, it really, Fast Times, I think, um, Fast Times is just, it, it's so, it's so honest. And I, I, you know, and it touched on so many points that really before Fast Times, I don't recall seeing or, or at least having recognition in film about the various point uh, abortion as an example. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's such, I mean, one needs only look right now at what's going on in the political landscape here uh, on our side of the pond. But, um, you know, I don't recall, you know, a teenage presence in that argument on film prior to, to Fast Times at Richmond High. I and mean, that, that's just one example of how real, how, um, how honest I, I really think the movie was. Um, I, I got to go Fast Times. I, and I love, I love Clerks. I mean, I, in my heart, right, I, right. I, I, want, I want to give it to Clerks because to me, that movie was so, it, it changed my worldview on, on film, on movies, honestly. But if we're looking at Gen X, I mean, what, what it is we're trying to achieve here, Fast Times is the clear winner. All right. Lily, anything to add to this? Um, well, I mean, everything Alan George already said, absolutely spot on. Couldn't agree more. Um, particularly what Alan was saying about that, um, the honesty of it. I think it, what it did is it, it kind of showed you the kind of the, the underbelly those kind of things that didn't normally crop up in in kind of teen or coming of age movies, which is the the horrible truth, the realization that sometimes people lie to you and sometimes people are just out to get what they want, and that that kind of growing and learning and going through the the nastier, um, crueler aspects of life um, was something that I don't think a lot of movies have done before. But it was done with wit and with elegance and with a great soundtrack too. So I I concur. Well, that is three for fast times. Barry, do you have anything that <laughs> I see? And I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that you guys jumped on this because I was going to go clerks and under the premise of one thing. And that is if you watch fast times at Ridgemont high, it is a good overview. It, it does. You get, it's kind of like a Swiss army knife. You get just enough of each one of the characters to be able to say, okay, this can do the job. This, this tells me enough about them. So I'm interested. However, when you look at Clerks, it is truly more of a deep dive and it's more of a real analysis of what's going on with these people, you know, how much of a shitty life that they had and what they were dealing with and how they were surviving it. And I, 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 I quote the movie when I say, you know, that's what life is, is a bunch of down endings. It ends on a down ending. Everything about it just kind of spirals down, especially if you saw the extended cut where it gets shot at the end. I mean, there was a lot of elements on this that I remember watching Fast Times with Ridgemont High the first time. And I'm like, okay, that was a good movie. I like that movie. When I watched Clerks, however, that was just, I knew those people. I worked with those people. You know, I've seen those people. I, 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 I it was more personal. It really kind of latched onto that element. I didn't quite get that with Fast Times. It felt more like caricatures instead of real people. So that was going to be my argument for clerks. But in this case, I see the arguments on either side of it. And, and to everyone's point, the soundtrack, yes, absolutely 100% better. Although I do have to admit, I have a little soft spot in my heart for berserker. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> All right. So we have our first uh, 
So Fast Pond, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High has advanced to the finals. Uh, so now that brings us to our our final, our, to get our final, our final, final movie in. Uh, <laughs> we have Reality Bites versus Wayne's World. Um, Lily, I'm going to let you start with this one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Since this one's just well, so near and dear to your podcasts. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and frankly, it couldn't have gone up against any other film, but Reality Bites and my podcast is still saved because. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was some question at the end of your episode about whether or not your podcast would continue after all of this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> She was very unrelenting. And I was like, let's, let's, you know, find middle ground. No, <laughs> there's no middle ground. It's Wayne's World or it's over. Um, so, but I know how much she loves uh, Reality Bites. And in fact, when we first met, this was one of the first things we bonded over, this and Pearl Jam. So um, I think she would forgive me for saying um, Reality Bites all day long. It's got to be. Reality Bites. All right. George. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Reality Bites right off the top because, as I said in the previous debate, I still disagree that Wayne's World is an actual film. It's a collection <laughs> of skits for me. So if we're going to say this awful personal, film, George, <laughs> there's no question. One of these is a film. The other is not. I can um, tell you right now, George, you're never going to be invited to visit Hannah. Yes. No, that's fine. <laughs> I, I get that. Um, I love Wayne's World. Don't get me wrong. I Tia Carrera for me in that movie, and I'm not talking about her sex appeal. I'm talking about the way that she redid those songs. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically taking her version of um, of that one song and clipping Ball together a bunch Ball of scenes. Blitz. Yeah, Ballroom Blitz yeah, and yeah. clipping together a bunch of Star Trek scenes to it with two v VCRs and a VHS tape, just clipping them back and forth to make an edit because I didn't have an edit bay when I was <laughs> – I'm when telling you poor. that that story right there. You and Dave, Dave is falling so in love with you. Yeah, it is not. I mean, I can I can literally see like hearts coming off. There's a bromance going there. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just because I did some things and agree with George. Hey, 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 hey! Back in the booth. Back in the booth. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Wayne's World is so much fun. It really is. Head bopping in the little car with the blue paint job and red flames. I mm -hmm. mean, the licorice in the top of it. It <laughs> forgot about that. There's so many little parts. You know, there's uh, Ed O'Neill's. You know, talking about oh, okay. killing somebody. That is a movie in and of itself. Of okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many of those moments where they're breaking the fourth wall and doing that kind of fun stuff, but. Eh, it's reality bites. And like I said earlier, I only saw it one time, but it's held that much of an impression on me this entire time since then. Okay. I, I can't let it go. So I'm going to have to go with reality bites. Barry. All right. <laughs> I'm the one that championed Wayne world in the first place. So yes, I, this is I, your fault. <laughs> I, I, will, I will come up with this. And by the way, George, not to correct you or anything, it was red vines. It wasn't licorice. Thank oh, you. Yeah. You're right. They're, You're right. Two different things. There. Yes, they are. Uh, and and, and tomato, as, tomato. As much as you you gush about Tia Carrere, every every bass player on the planet, the minute that she picked up that white fender, I'm looking at her going. You're holding it wrong. Right. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you on that. Stop it. It just hurts my soul. But. <laughs> So, yeah, coming from the bass player. Yes, thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. It hurts my soul. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I do agree. I mean, you know, Wayne's World, 
as much as I love that movie, as much as I would champion that movie from the highest mountaintop, you know, when you come up against the Goliath like reality bites, you're going to lose. There's no other way to say it. That movie just, I won't say that it had everything, but it had enough of everything. It had just enough to be able to keep you interested, to make you laugh, to make you care. And, and one thing that nobody's brought up about this is the Ben, Spil- the ben Stiller character in that, you know, playing the sellout. And I mean, how many of our friends growing up do we later run into life that you're looking at it going, God, you're such a sellout. Do we have all day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, you want the list alphabetically or in yeah, order of exactly. appearance, you know? So I, 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 <laughs> Dave's finger comes flying across the thing. I'm the sellout. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to talk. I think. Yes. <laughs> this may be the last podcast for us guys. I don't know. This could be a complete <laughs> nuclear assault here on all the podcasts before it's over. So. <laughs> I, I will say, and, and, and again, you know, with, with everything that was said on this, I mean, we're, we're kind of going back over a lot of topics, but I do think that reality bites between the two of them is a much better made movie to represent the era of what it was like to be in that era for Gen X. So the whole idea of, you know, running up your, your dad's gas card oh, to, to pay for things. And, you know, the, you look like you're wearing a doily, you know I mean? Those kinds of yeah. things, those were looks, that was a definite look back then. So, so yeah, reality bites. All right, Alan, any, especially considering reality bites came out of your bracket. Any, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to go reality bites. I, I am. And, Clean sweep. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's to me, it's no no brainer. So, um, all right. Now, all right. Just before we get into this movie, just I, I want to say this for anybody. I know George is a is a sports fan. We have two number ones. Oh, and Barry, I'm sorry. We have two number one seats making it to the final, which is you don't see very happen. Don't happen very often. This is I mean, true. Sometimes, but it's very rare. So. We got Duke and North Carolina going head to head here. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> As Dave shooting me daggers. <laughs> I know, right? Kentucky because fans, we're, we're, we're we're talking about UK here. All right, <laughs> you talking about Duke, North Carolina. Fine. All right, all right. So in the finals, we have Reality Bites versus Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Anybody want to wade in on this one right <laughs> off the bat? Ooh, I'll start. I'll start. All right, Barry. So again, you know, kind of going back on what I was saying about Fast Times. I I, I love the elements that they brought forth in Fast Times. I love the idea of what Fast Times represented. Between the two though, as far as a representation of Generation X, of Mm -hmm. what we defined and what it was like to be us in that timeframe, I feel like Reality Bites is a better representation of it. I really do. I mean, you have that whole struggling to get by and trying to make sense of the world and you know, friends that just kind of have the F it attitude that's what we grew up with. I mean, how many coffee houses did you guys go visit? You know, how many, all of them. how many friends that you have that played in a band of three people, you know, it, that, that kind of stuff. Exactly. You know? <laughs> the three of so us sitting it, here. <laughs> it, it, it definitely had more of a touchstone for me. I almost kind of felt like fast times was more of coming out of the boomer era, not quite into gen X. So it was the, this is the effed up world that we're dealing with. Now we're trying to figure it out. Well, by the time it got to Reality Bites, we had already said, we're not going to figure this out. There's no way we can figure this out. So all we're trying to do is survive it. So I feel like Reality Bites is a better rep. All right. Um, Alan, since. Uh, I, you know, I, he, he said, said, it, said it perfectly, honestly. Um, 
you know, for my age, um, I was born in 73. So when you talk Gen X, I am right there in the middle, um, Mm -hmm. you know, between 65 and 80. Um, Fast Times, when it came out, I was all of nine years old. And when Reality Bites came out, I was graduating. uh, I was graduating college, I think. I think it was 95, 94, 94. 94, 94, 94, 94. So, yeah, I graduated college in 95. Um, Reality Bites for my own experience is much more accurate. That was the, that was my Gen X experience. And when we, when we graduated from, from college, I, it was, you know, reality bites was my, my reality. And, and it did it, 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 it bited, you know, it, it bit. Right. Um, <laughs> the English teacher said yeah. bited. I did, I did. I couldn't get it. Uh, no, I, yeah, uh, no, no. Dave's worse. He would have. Yeah. He would have had a number of gaps by now. Uh, but yeah. nonetheless, I am. Um, yeah, it just that was my life experience, and you know, reality bites. It it was bold enough that it 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 hit on a number of very real topics that that were of concern to us. Um, you did have, you know, selling out versus staying true to your, to your passions. You had the slacker, you had the, the music scene. Um, but you also had, you know, the AIDS scare and you had coming out, you know, to your parents and you had, there were so many social, um, and it was almost too perfect in that way. Reality Bites, I think it was like they had a number of boxes that they just ticked off going, you know, uh, through the, the various problems that existed but those problems existed. And, and I think yeah. reality bites handled it in a very mature way with a cast that was very likable. Um, you, you, you cared about the characters and yeah, I, I just, I love fast times, but that wasn't my, you know, I said that I went to that school and I had that teacher. I knew this Macaulay, but it still wasn't my time. It wasn't my gen X reality bites was my reality. And I, I got to give the nod to it. And it bites. All right, George. Okay. Um, I, I'm torn on this one. Seen Fast Time way more often than I've seen Reality Bites, as I've said multiple times already. Uh, there's a couple of statistics that are interesting between the two. Okay. Right. Um, number one, uh, budget box office statistics. So Reality Bites only did three times its budget worldwide box office. Fast Time's ten times its budget. So... I think there's an argument for the fact that Fast Times appealed to the larger uh, population. More people went to go see it, uh, especially when you factor in, um, you know, cost of living increases and whatnot between 82 and 94. Uh, 33 million for Reality Bites, 50 million worldwide for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. To me, that shows that one of these two was a little bit more popular than the other. I get where you're saying that reality bites is more of what your experience was. It wasn't my experience. A, I didn't graduate college. B, I didn't play in a band. B, I've never been to a cafe. Um, so two Bs. Two Bs. What have you done with your life? I know, right? Um, I grew up in Tallahassee. There's none of that stuff available Fair. here except for the Fair. college. That's all you had to say right okay, there. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think it depends on which part of your Gen X experience you identify with more. 
you guys identify more with your college and post-college lives as part of Gen X. Mm -hmm. I personally identify more with my high school experience as part of my Gen X development and upbringing. That's fair. And I Mm -hmm. think depending upon which one of those you identify with more is what's going to sway you in this debate, because there's no argument that these two films are both worthy of being in the final two, and they both deserve the title. It's just a matter of preference, really, at this point. Reality Bites had the more condensed cast, so it's easier to to focus more on each of those individual characters, whereas Fast Times at Ridgemont High had the broader cast and the broader amount of storylines. I mean, there was, what, like six different storylines going on in Mm -hmm, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, maybe seven. Reality Bites had, like, three, four, I mean, that were really central to the movie. So it's easier to focus on those and to find more that you love about those and that you identify with those, I think. Um, But it doesn't mean that Fast Times is any less of a representation of Generation X. It just means that it might appeal to a larger audience, which is why I think it made more money in the box office because it opened itself up to more people. Reality Bites, I don't think necessarily gives you the identity if you grew up, say, as Generation X in Wyoming. Or if you grew up in a completely different environment than that film was set in, whereas everybody went to high school in Generation X. And I think that's another reason why it appeals to more people. So for me, just because of the broader appeal, the broader availability of entrance into the characters and the storylines, and that's the only reason I'm going to go with Fast Times at Richmond High. Okay. All right. All right. Now I'd like to point something out here okay. before we go any further. Lily, I don't want you to feel any pressure. <laughs> but well, I knew there was a but coming. <laughs> if you go with fast times, that means the decider goes to the bald headed wonder to my left. <laughs> no pressure. Lily. Well, <laughs> that seems like an unfair coercion. That, 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 that right there did kind of seem like just a... Just stating uh, facts. Just I'm, stating facts. I've seen this get teams thrown out in debate competitions before. Yes. <laughs> just stating a fact. <laughs> Miss Lily. L- Lily's over here like, can I phone a friend? Can I get out of here? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm feeling very sol- solid about this. All right. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. You know, um, so much, so much for and against. Um, but honestly, I mean, what can I say? But welcome to the maxi pad. It's reality bite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nice pull, Lily. Nice pull there. Nice. Um, so appropriate when you're the only girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I also, yeah, I hadn't even mentioned yet. I think we mentioned it on on our pod that we did, but um, we are called Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast because of Troy Dyer mm-hmm. and Society Owing Him a Snickers. Yes. So what, what what better endorsement? I mean, it has to be, it has to be Reality Bites. Well, there we go. And there's there's I mean, no more words from me. <laughs> you dodged a bullet. Hey, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I was going to go with Reality Bites. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, and it, it, it's funny looking back um, at, at all of this, like the, the entire bracket. You know, I, I think one thing, one observation I have with all of this getting into it, especially being the person who put these movies together, 
Um, the fact that we didn't have a single John Hughes movie make it to the Elite Eight is surprising. very surprising. Um, I think Dave and I, especially when we were kind of looking at it, we're kind of like, so is there anything that can take down The Breakfast Club? Mm -hmm. um, and apparently <laughs> that movie was um, SLC Punk, <laughs> which I will say, Lily, that listening, when I was listening to, uh, to your pod, and when that happened, part of me was like, yes, because I love The Breakfast Club, don't get me wrong. But a lot of the <laughs> points that you and Hannah made about SLC Punk were spot on uh, about, yeah, I, I get this. You well, know, yeah. And to your point, you know, with ours, SFW going as deep yes, as it Yes, and we did. SFW came out of the first round with us against, I forget who it was, but it yeah. was, uh, it was uh, against, um, I don't even remember, Scream. Yeah. You know, and it was one of those where it was like, wow, because again, going back and rewatching the movies, they caught us a different way and i'm sure they did the same for you i know listening to uh to mixtape you guys really you know i think you were surprised uh, as you said earlier about a nightmare on elm street making it as far as it did mm -hmm. and uh and then of course you know the whole uh what was it boys in the hood versus uh wayne's world Wayne, or bill and ted, bill and ted you know i know that was tough for you guys you know down in florida so it was I like i just want wow. to point out we didn't have a john hughes film in our bracket so it's not our fault I, <laughs> but you did, that's all I'm saying. You did have a Cusack, though. You did have we a Cusack. You had, yeah, and also the fact that a Cusack movie didn't yeah, make it. Cusack you didn't know, make I mean, it past the, the, the Elite Eight. Yeah, and, and he had three movies. Yeah. So, no so, kidding. <laughs> uh, I think it's really cool. Uh, obvious, you know, when we post this, I'm sure no one's going to disagree with the choice that came down here. Whatsoever. Oh, no, never. Uh, never, never, never. <laughs> considering, uh, except considering. for one of the four who was debating the topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Considering on our on our Instagram page where I put up the brackets for all of them, immediately somebody was questioning the uh, uh, how is, what was it? Uh, how is, um, I forget what they, I think, I think they were questioning why um, St. Elmo's Fire was ranked higher than Red Dawn or something like that. I was like, well, that's a, that's a, a weird pull, but okay. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their opinion. And, and, and for the record, I have caught more hell about how these were ranked, who got what, <laughs> what these movies were than anything else. So welcome to the podcast. Yes, no, absolutely. Thanks for the new guy. You know? And also the fact, the reason that, you know, these, that these types of things are so much fun is because you don't know how they're going to turn out. And, you know, and, and in and reality, the there thing. is no wrong answer. Exactly. Yeah. What is it we always say? You know, it's like, you know, that's the reason why you play, you know, it's a sports analogy. Again, it's the reason why you play the game because you just, you know, any any given Sunday or Saturday or whatever it is, you know. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, for uh, indulging us. Barry wants well, to say Before something. we go out here, uh, let's go around the table here. Alan, what's coming up for you guys in your podcast? Uh, well, uh, we are in season three. Uh, we just recorded our second two-part episode last night it'll, it'll be airing here um the end of may uh right now we are um we opened the season with 1982 we're making a mixtape of just our favorite uh tunes from 40 years ago Sweet. um we, we have a lot of a lot of um very interesting themes coming up our, our our artist spotlight this time is going to be um a beatles artist spotlight but we're looking at specifically at uh, cover versions of Beatles songs. Um, oh, 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 wow. We are, we're I'm, looking I'm a, at... Uh, I'm a cover song addict. We should talk. <laughs> oh, I, I am too. I, 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 in fact, I think I annoy Dave a, a lot of the time because I'm always looking for cover versions. And you know, my Dave is sitting here saying the same thing about <laughs> me right now. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. Um, well, cool. 
But now we're, we're, we're looking at two hit wonders this time around. We're looking at That's instrumentals. Nice. So just, just a lot of different different things. So awesome. uh, it's, it's George, what are you in the season. what are you and the Gen X boys got coming up down there? Yeah, so uh coming up on May the twelfth, um, we've got a Billboard Hits of nineteen eighty two where we take each one of the number <laughs> one songs. We already did that. We, right? we, we got you by it. a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did nineteen eighty one last year, so we did yeah, eighty two yeah, this year. Yeah, We're just yeah, doing them on the fortieth anniversaries. Um, we just recently released an interview that I was able to do with Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall fame. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, he's doing a Shakespeare play here in town. Um, oh, so I, heard, I mean, you talk about that. That was. Yeah. Yeah, interview, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we did that one. And there's a secondary interview that's coming out specifically about the new Amazon rebirth of Kids in the Hall coming out. Uh, I'm this so month. excited about that. Uh, the yeah. other one that we have is as far as a backtrack, we've got a Top Gun retrospective coming up at the end of the month because it's the Maverick is coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a slightly different format than other podcasts. We have a regular episode one week where we talk about stuff that we're watching or playing or playing around with, that kind of thing. And then we do our back track which is a deep dive into a single topic from our gen x youth and mm-hmm. talk about how it was for us then versus how it's changed or gone away um so our backtracks are very popular um and the top gun one i think is going to be incredible because oh yeah uh, I think John is in love with the volleyball scene for some reason. He keeps bringing that one up all the time. Does he drive around playing uh, with the song, playing with the boys? I, um, constantly. I don't oh. know which boys he's playing with, but we'll find out in the podcast. We have met our Kenny Loggins quota. Right? <laughs> and by the way, George, just for the record, just to give you a heads up on that on the 82 one, uh, first off, be prepared to deal with Key Largo by Bertie Higgins. Uh, yeah, And uh, a lot of air supply. So a lot, lot of air supply. Of air supply. We didn't do it that way. So we only took songs that hit number one for at least two weeks. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay, yeah. So So those are the only ones that made it. It's not a list we chose. It's just a list that Billboard provided. Yeah, Yeah, we took the Billboard Top 100 of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a, lot a lot of air supply. supply. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All All right, right. fine. Lily, let us know what's going on in in your neck of the woods. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we... um, we just put out um, Lemonheads. It's a shame about Ray. Great album. Yes. Which, yeah, we just absolutely love doing that. And uh, Hannah's very excited because we're now interacting with Evan's mother, Susie, on Instagram. So Nice. Get for her. <laughs> She's very funny. Uh, we did Beastie Boys, Hello Nasty. Uh, we did Gross Point Blank because mm-hmm. Excellent. I was aggrieved at being having it thrown out. Um, Liz Fair and our latest is Jurassic Five. Nice, nice. Very awesome, cool. very cool. Well, cool. Uh, and for us, uh, since we're it? out, yeah, I'll do it. Give this we uh, we just started uh, what. <laughs> I made an executive decision in the middle of recording uh, a, a couple of weeks ago um, because that's what I do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just on the fly, uh, where we have just started what we're calling retro summer uh, slash kids in peril movies. Yes. <laughs> so uh, a, sm- a small list of what we're going to be doing is uh, the Goonies, uh, Space Camp, E.T., Labyrinth, War Games, Cloak and Dagger, Never Ending Story, Tron, Adventures in Babysitting, Explorers, Fly the Navigator. Um, which I took exception at Tron because there's not really any kids there. Well, I said slash. It's not necessarily. Again, it's the 40th. Since 40 (laughs) years, Tron came out 40 years ago this summer. And they're all movies that were released during the summertime. And they're not necessarily 82. It's 
but and, they're all 80s. And the so. majority of them are children with no helicopter parents. None whatsoever. No, 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 you know, they're basically allowed to go be free, get in adventures, you know, get shot at by random bad guys. I was here to say, we're going to record right after this. We're doing a couple episodes, one of them being Cloak and Dagger. I'm like, oh my God, this kid has zero. <laughs> and I remember watching this as a kid, not thinking, I was like, but there is zero parental <laughs> supervision in this whatsoever. His parents and his dad's in most of the movies. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what we've got coming up. Um, uh, who knows what other, who knows? Is. Yeah. So um, yeah. Thank all of you, everybody that, 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 that contributed here. Um, this was so much fun. We're so happy to, to now count you as friends. Yes. You're our friends now, whether you want to be or not. And uh, Lily, you got a spare couch yeah, or something. We, we, may, we may call on you at <laughs> some point in the future. Yeah. I just said random, you know, of course, um, of, course. <laughs> of course, you know, uh, George and Dave might be vacationing together here before long, you know, hey. family vacays and stuff. Nothing so is off the table and everything's <laughs> under it. Speaking of which, oh, I'll ask you after we finish recording. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's nothing ominous about that whatsoever. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, everyone thank you once again for spending a saturday morning with us i guess it's saturday afternoon for lily and um uh that was fun trying to figure out how, how far ahead are they <laughs> <laughs> i can deal with one hour with the other two and it's like oh we're dealing with six hours yeah there, so, there was yeah. a slide rule involved <laughs> all right so everybody thank you very much uh i am alan's I am Alan Smith. I'm Perry. And I'm Big Dave. Anybody else want to do a sign off? <laughs> I'm oh, George cool. and join us at Gen X Grown Up. And I'm, I'm Al. Uh, make sure that you tune in to Gen X Mixtape. And I'm Lily from Soma GXP Society Owes Me a Gen X Podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time. See you. Coming, they say, Hey, look at that slide.